like watches my story sometimes, so what do you think that means? Wait, does he like your photos? I mean, sometimes, but... Um, hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, I lost you there for a second. Um, I don't know, do you think I should, like, text him? Hmm, I don't know, it's totally up to you. I mean, do whatever you want, I guess. But honestly, I probably wouldn't text him, like, super late at night. following me. Wait, what? So that intro video that we've been going at for the past couple of weeks is uh, actually really profound in the way we at Anchor look at theology. And by the way, if you're sitting there watching this and you're saying to yourself, I'm not really big into theology, let me just kind of do a simple exercise with you. If you're sitting there and you're like, you know what, I'm not really down with theology. I'm not down with all that kind of stuff. I don't really think about a whole lot of those kind of things. I just love Jesus. Well, then my question would be to you is this. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me what you think of Jesus. What do you believe about Jesus? And the minute you start talking to me, you start telling me your theology, right? Your study, ology of God, theos. So with that in mind, one of the things that's so great about that bumper that we use, that video, before we start this off with, is as the creators were coming up with, and we have a great media team that was working really good on showing off their um, uh, their cinemata- uh, cinematography, cinemat- cinematic gifting, so to say, um, they actually point out some really good theological points. Like for one, the idea of that individual is being targeted, right? That, that we talked about this last week. Because you're created in the image of God, the enemy and the enemy forces, they are targeting after us. A lot of us like to think that we're not a part of this struggle, but we're a part of a struggle, right? Philippians talks about you and I being in a struggle. And, and, and the second thing that's really good is that, is that the character finds themselves, she finds herself in a bad place, right? So I, I, I think it's pretty important for us to realize that a lot of times we need to watch um, as believers, we need to be intentional about where we go and where we find ourselves. And I'm not just talking about geographical locations, but also places of mind and places where our hearts are at. A third thing that talks about in that video, very subtly that I think is brilliant, is the idea of prayer and how important prayer is because the minute she starts praying, we see that, that, that the demonic forces, they, they stop. And, and that's just it, is that I want you to understand in this series the importance of identity and direction. And with those two things involved, how critical it is for you to realize that if you are in Christ, if Christ is in your life, then then you need to understand that you have been bought by Jesus and you are now his, right? We sing songs about us being children of God and sons and daughters of God. Well, we are owned by him and that's a good thing. 
Because whenever the enemy forces attack us, the enemy has to ask Jesus if we we have his permission. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that, but Peter, there's a story about Peter walking with Jesus. Jesus says, Peter, Satan has asked me if he can sift you and I've given him that opportunity or given him permission to do so. You and I think that, that, that it's kind of open season for people, you know, for all of us, and we, we live in fear. I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to live in encouragement and confidence, knowing that you have this power in you. Let's talk a little bit about the powers outside, right? Because we talked about this last week. We started off our series on angels and demons, and we talked about the myths last week. And tonight we're gonna be talking about this, this reality of, of, of the method of angels. And the next week, Pastor Rob is gonna be talking about the message. You know, what is it, what is it that they say? How, what, what is it that they communicate? And so, and so tonight as we talk about these methods, I want you to understand we've got more resources for you. First off, um, ironically enough, there are connect groups that are actually meeting and going over these notes. And so if you've ever wanted to have an opportunity to man, go deeper into this subject matter, man, now is a great time for you to chime in and, and just say, hey, Anchor, how do I get involved in one of these connect groups? How do I get involved in just a number of different smaller conversations that's taking place? Uh, and another thing that we're offering on the app, if you've got that pulled up or if you go to our webpage, is the idea of the different resources. I mentioned last week, Dr. David Dykes, who uh, has put together a book called Angels Do Exist. And this week I reached out to him, talked to him. If you have a Kindle Unlimited membership, that book is actually free to you, all right? So you can go, and that link there is, is also on the webpage, totally free uh, for you to be able to check things out on that. Another thing that I want you to understand is that, is that we have another set of videos on the app as well. So last week, if you took care of watching about three of those videos that were offered, we've got another set of videos that goes into a deeper thing because we're gonna explore a lot of stuff on that. And the reason why we're exploring a lot of stuff can be summarized by a passage in the Bible. In Hebrews chapter one, this is a good summary, maybe passage for this entire series. Hebrews chapter one, at the very end of the first chapter, It says, are there not all ministering spirits, meaning angels, sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? And what he's talking about, it can be said in verse 13 right above. It says, says, sit at my right hand until I make your names your footstool. Right above that in verse 12, it says, he will roll things up like a cloak. And and so as, as he's talking about all this, he says in verse 13, now to which of the angels has he ever said, meaning has God ever spoken to the angels? Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so what he's doing is he's making a reference about, not, about our identity, but then, but then the writer of Hebrews then goes on and says, are there not all ministering spirits? Meaning we need to understand there's a lot of angels out there and what is their job? And this is kind of gonna overarch the whole main point of today's message. Are not all these ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? What that means is this. You have an army on your side. This is available for all Christians. All Christians have an army on the side. Two thirds of the heavenly hosts. The Bible talks about one third falling away, being led by Satan, which is kind of interesting to to discover that that, that, that just how tricky Satan can be, that he could somehow manipulate and, 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 and be kind of a 
be kind of a, a con man. And, and, and he's so good at it that, that if you're sitting here watching today and you're like, man, I, I feel like I've fallen to Satan's trap. Well, know this, he's pretty good at his games of lies. And, and, and he's so good that he was able to talk a third of the angelic host in falling with him. But we have two thirds. So for every one demon, there's two angels. And these angels, according to Hebrews chapter one, they are sent by God to serve those who inherit salvation. So how do they do that? Well, let's look in. Let's look at, let's kind of crack this open a little bit. These are the methods of angels. Now, in order to do this, I actually want to go to one of the gospels. So, so if you've got your Bible with you or you want to turn on in your Bible to, uh, to John chapter one, we've got this amazing story at the very end of the first uh, chapter of John that's taking place. And, and, and in the chapter, of, in that first chapter, it's kind of the building of Jesus' ministry. He's kind of gathering his disciples around. And as he's gathering his disciples around, we see in verse uh, 43 that the next day after the previous verses are talking about there in verses uh, 40 down to 42, in verse 43, it says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. So he heads up north and he found Philip and he told Philip, follow me, verse 44. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter, these two brothers. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets, meaning so did the prophets write about him. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael's response is this. Well, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. So, so, so Jesus kind of gathering his crew a little bit together. And as he's gathering his crew, uh, uh, Philip ends up going to Nathanael and, and, and walking up to Nathanael and saying, hey, we found the one that we waited hundreds of years for, our people, I've waited for him. And, 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 and this is who he is. He's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael's like, man, what in the world? Man, I, man, I've heard of a lot of places. I've never heard of this guy. Like, who is this guy? Where does he come from? Where, can anything come from Nazareth? Now, what's great is look down at verse 46. Verse 46, uh, uh, Philip just says, look, just come and see. And by the way, this is just a complete side note, right? Many times we feel like we have to have all the answers about Jesus in order to share him with our friends. Listen, maybe one of the best things you do is as you're talking to one of your friends, maybe even this week, this has nothing to do with angels and demons, and then I'll jump back into it. But I just feel like I need to tell you, if you're talking to somebody in your life, in your workplace, in your family, somewhere about Jesus, and you come to a, a, a moment where you, you're, you're lacking words, maybe one of the best things you can do is say, hey, let's come and see him. Come with me to Anchor this week. Come with me on Friday night. Come with me on Sunday morning. Come with me to my connect group. Hey, let me call one of the pastors. Let's take, let's just, let's, let's come, not, you know, and let me just bring you. And that's exactly what's happening here where, where Philip just says, look, let's come and see. Now, verse 47 shows us this. Jesus sees him off in the distance. Verse 47, then Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and he says this, here truly is an Israelite in which there is no deceit. Or in some of your translations, there is no guile in this man. Nathaniel's kind of freaked out, right? Because can you imagine if you're Nathaniel at that moment, you're walking up, you see Jesus, Jesus is walking up to you, you've heard all these great things about him. And then Jesus looks at you and goes, this is the guy, this is the woman, and there is no deceit in him. That kind of freaked me out because I'd be like, you don't know me, you don't know me at all. In fact, that is exactly uh, what verse 48 says. Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And then Jesus replies by saying something even more trippy. He says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, 
it's not like Jesus is a weird creeper, all right? Let me explain what's going on here. In the Middle Eastern Israeli culture, they would build homes, and some of the homes, they would build a fig tree. And the fig tree was broad in its trunk and has broad branches and has big waxy leaves. And it provided kind of a, kind of a, kind of a kularu or kind of an overhang shade that was on the side of the house. And people would use it for guest rooms or an extra place, or they would sit there under the hot sun. One of the most prominent things that that room was used for, whether it was on the side or whether it was on the top of the house, is that as it was covered by the fig leaves, people living in the house would use that space as a prayer room. And so what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel is he's saying this morning when you were reading, most likely in the calendar year and in the Jewish reading, he was reading out of what we now know is Genesis 28. And I'm gonna get to that story in just a minute and why Jesus uses that is that as, as Nathaniel was in there praying and reading and searching the scriptures, Jesus goes, when you were praying to God, I was there. Meaning not, not, not that he was sneaking around the trunk of the tree, but that the spirit of God was there when he was praying. And the reason why we know that is because look at verse 49. This is the response, Nathaniel's confession. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And then Jesus begins to give his insight and teaching in verse 50. He says, do you believe this? Because I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending into seven on the Son of Man. He goes back to a story that very likely Nathaniel might have been reading earlier on that day in the Torah. So, so there's this amazing insight about the ladder of heaven and the, and the angels coming up and down. What's really amazing about this passage is in the original language, in the Greek, when Jesus says, do you believe, because I told you you saw in the fig tree, you will see greater things in this. That you is not singular in the Greek. That you is plural. He's talking to all people who meet with God, who are Christians, who follow him saying, you will see greater things than this. And he says, you, still plural, will see the heavens opened up and the angels of God ascending into setting on the Son of Man. So this is not just a message for Nathaniel. This is a message for you and I, where we're gonna be able to see these things. According to Jesus, we're gonna be able to see the activities of angels. Last week, we talked about it. Can you see him? And I talked about that passage in Hebrews that you and I are maybe entertaining angels unaware. This is what's so critical about you being here next week when Pastor Rob starts to teach about the message of angels is that we've got to tune our ears, tune our spiritual eyes because Jesus is not just talking to Nathaniel. He's talking to all of us who follow him. And there's four things I wanna get at real quickly about the importance of this Old Testament story. So let's get into the Old Testament story to kind of give us some background, all right? What's this idea of the ladder that Jesus is talking about in John chapter one, verses 50, uh, ch uh, chapter one, uh, verse 51, is that he's referring to a story actually in Genesis 28. So if you've got your Bible, turn over to Genesis 28, and this is kind of where we're gonna camp out here for the rest of the time. There's this incredible story about this guy named Jacob Jacob is the son of Isaac, and Isaac is the son of Abraham, and Abraham had many sons. Uh, many sons had Father Abraham, right? So in the idea, Isaac, main son. Isaac, the son with the blessing. Isaac has two children. One is Esau, kind of this rough, rugged, uh, kind of hunter, uh, butch, masculine, testosterone type, and then the other one's Jacob. And in the Old Testament, remember also, your names meant something. So Jacob's name kind of tells us a little bit about his character. The name Jacob actually means in the Hebrew, this, this idea in the Semitic languages, this liar, this thief, this con man. And, 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 and that's exactly what's happening. 
Because, because in chapter 27, we actually see that Jacob cons his brother out of a birthright, which in the Western culture, it's really tough for us to understand. But basically, it's not only the idea of this tangible inheritance, but it's this spiritual blessing, and it all goes on the firstborn. Esau's the firstborn, yet Jacob robs Esau of all of that. Esau, being the hunter-predator type, wants to kill his brother, and so Jacob flees. And as Jacob flees, we see in verse 28, he departs, and he finds himself alone in the desert by himself. Verse 10, he heads towards Haran, and in verse 11, he reaches a certain place, and he spends the night there because the sun had set. Verse 12 tells us that he has a dream, and in the dream, a stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching to the sky and God's angels were going up and down on it. It's a critical thing right there because I think the Bible doesn't waste any words in letting us know some of the simple things. You and I need to understand that as we are following after God, we've got ladders in our life. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. He says, look, there's a problem though. Some of us, we don't know where the ladder is. We don't know where heaven and earth connect. We don't know that one part of it is connecting to heaven and one part of it is connecting to earth, but that's what the Bible's talking about. There is a connection between heaven and earth. And some of us, I love what he says. He says, some of us, we don't know where that's at. We don't know where we put it. Some of us don't even know that we've actually got it. But friend, if you're sitting here today and you're wondering why your prayers are only hitting the roof, maybe you need to reconsider and and, and maybe go look for the ladder, for example, right? It may be tucked away somewhere, or maybe you lent it to a friend or you lost it somewhere. You need to realize in your life, God wants you to realize that heaven and earth actually touch. Jacob sees this, and in verse 13, it says, the Lord was actually standing beside him there saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying on. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out towards the west, the east, the north and the south. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. In this passage right here, we have this incredible opportunity to see the method of angels. And what I'm talking about is this. Remember when we were talking back in in Hebrews chapter one, verse 14, that there are servants assigned by God. Last week, we said that that there is a difference between humans and angels, right? Angels are servants assigned by God to serve people. And in this passage that Jesus refers to in John chapter one, and that here, here in Genesis chapter 28, we see that these angels are communicating four major things that they do in their actions that's gonna bless God's people. So you got Abraham who's been chosen by God to be the father of many nations. Isaac, his son carries on that tradition. And Jacob, even though he sinned, and I love this because I know there's somebody out there who's watching it right now that is like, yeah, I'm not a part of God's family. You don't understand what I've done. Listen, if that's you, you're Jacob and God is still meeting with Jacob right now. And God is saying, look, I'm going to use my forces, my angelic powers to do these four things. So let's break this down right now. The first thing we see it in verses 13 and 14 where it says, the Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you're lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and they will spread out toward the west, the east, the north and the south. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. The first thing that angels do is they communicate God's promises. 
God is making a promise to Jacob. He's out there in the desert by himself. He doesn't have anything to his name. He is running away, fleeing for his life, doesn't know anybody. He is on the desert floor. And God makes him a promise. And God says, listen, the things I gave to your grandfather, Abraham, the things I gave to Isaac are the things I'm giving to you. And by the way, if you're sitting here going, yeah, well, how does that work with me? I'm living in Hawaii. You need to understand that in the New Testament, Jesus says that those of us that trust in him, we are the children of Abraham. So just as Jacob, who didn't do anything to earn it, got this promise, you in Christ get the same promise. God is using his angelic forces to carry out the promises that he's given you. The second thing that he uses the angels to do is in verse 15. Look at verse 15. Look, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for you will not leave until I have done what I've promised you. So if angels carry out God's promises, one, the second thing they do is they carry out God's protection, all right? He's sitting there saying, listen, Jacob, I know you've done a lot of bad things, but you need to understand, I am with you. I am on your side. I'm gonna protect you. And even though you may travel, you will come back, which is another type of promise. It's a promise of protection. The third thing, we have promises, protection. And here's the third P. This is verse 16. It says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it, which just shows how far apart from God Jacob had been is that, is that he didn't even realize that God was there. But that's the third thing that angels also do in their methods is they, is they, they deliver on God's promise, they give God's protection. And then thirdly, uh, they, they, they give God's presence. When people talk about angel stories that they've been involved in or people that they know of, when it's truly been of God, they've been left with a feeling of knowing that God is with them. Jacob says, surely the Lord is in, this is present tense, surely, not, not the Lord was in this place, surely the Lord is in this place. So we have God's promises, God's protections, God's presence. There's a fourth one that's not seen in this story, but it's actually found in another story. If you turn over in 1 Kings or you turn on your Bible to 1 Kings, there's this incredible great story um, in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 19 about a guy named Elijah. Now, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with Elijah and the story of Elijah about going up onto the mountain and they've got the false prophets and they're doing their thing to their false God. And then Elijah's kind of doing his thing with his, you know, with, with, with the one true God. And then they call the fire down from the sky and the fire comes down and it consumes and everybody starts worshiping the one true God. After that moment in chapter 18, there's this evil woman, Jezebel, who uh, she's the queen. She's queen to King Ahab. And she just goes high and right on Elijah. And she tells all the people, listen, I'm gonna kill this man. So, so it's incredible because Elijah, he, 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 he's being threatened by hundreds and hundreds of people. He's not afraid of that on Mount Carmel, but one woman, man, wouldn't you like to see how evil that woman was, right? One woman freaks out this guy so much that in chapter 19, he, he runs away. And as he runs away, it says in verse three, he becomes afraid and he runs for his life, right? So this guy's just trucking across the desert running. He ends up exhausted after a day's journey into the wilderness. And in verse four, he goes underneath a, a broom tree and he says, um, I wanna die. In fact, look at the verse there, verse four. I've had enough, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's that he laid down and slept under the broom tree. The angel, suddenly an angel touched him and the angel said, get up and eat. And he looked 
And there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and he drank and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So, so here's kind of an interesting thing, all right? So we see a little bit of some of the stuff in Genesis chapter 28 being played out here, but we also see a fourth thing, and that's, and that's God has given him promises, God has given him protection, God has been with him, and then the fourth thing, and, that's, and this is the fourth thing that angels do with us, is this, uh, uh, they show that God provides for us. This guy's out in the middle of the wilderness by himself being hunted down. He wants to die and the angel shows up and the angel basically says, get up and eat. And not only does he say, get up and eat and tell him what to do, but the provision is there. Listen, I know this probably sounds crazy to some people. And this is what I joked with last Friday where I said, look, I'm not the chef, I'm just the waiter. This is in the word of God here. These these are things that you can take and go, look, I'm just gonna do what the Bible says that I wanna do. I'm gonna do what it says I can do and apply it into my life. So, so I want those promises. I want that protection. I want that presence. I want that provision. So here's the next question that you may be thinking. Okay, got it, Trev. So where do I start looking? How do I start looking? We find that in places like 2 Corinthians. So if you've got your Bible, turn over to 2 Corinthians. There's a great verse that if you've got a highlighter, I want you to highlight it, highlight it, highlight it, highlight it. Get to know this one. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, so we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen is real. So, so, so what do we do? Where do we start looking? We don't look at the earthly things to give our answers. We look to the things that are heavenly, right? Where's your focus? Colossians chapter three, verses one and two says, we need to set our mind on things above. There's this old saying that I used to hear in churches all the time where some people say they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Man, let me just kind of throw some mud on that one. We need to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. That's not a bad thing. You and I need to be people who are focused. Look, the earth, I'll give you a great, I'll give you a great heads up of what's probably gonna happen. All right, yesterday, COVID situations uh, uh, here, all right? Uh, Over taxation and a lot of war and strife going on. And some people are, Bad things are happening. Guess what's happening today? The same thing. Guess what's happening tomorrow? Probably a lot of stuff like that. In fact, Jesus was looking at the same thing and this is what he said. He goes, look, don't worry about tomorrow for today has its own troubles. So where does our hope come in? That we set our mind on things above. That we go, God, you are doing a lot of stuff. Jacob could have sat there and said, I'm in the desert alone and my brother is gonna show up in a minute to say hello with a bunch of guys with swords and knives. All right, he was looking at his circumstances. But yet in the midst of all that, God says, look, I want you to look up. And maybe that's what you need to do today. Quit looking around, but look up. If you're driving on the H3 and you stare out of the rearview mirror the whole time, you're gonna crash. So if you're looking in your past, you're gonna crash in the future. If you're looking out of the side windows all the time, you're gonna crash in the, in, you know, it, it, into what's ahead. You and I need to look ahead. Or even better yet, you and I need to look up. We need to set our mind on things above. When we set our mind on things above, we can see the activity of the angels all around us. So what? So what, Trev? There's a lot of good stories in the Bible, a lot of good stuff, uh, uh, great stuff. But what does that mean for me? How do I apply this? How How do I get off the bench and into the game and participate with what's really going on? Real quickly in closing, we need to understand that God gives guidance and angels assist in that guidance and the directive can be God's word. Listen, I didn't quote any book. 
I didn't tell you to go to any kind of weird thing that somebody's selling in the middle of Barnes and Noble or on amazon.com that's not based in the Bible. You and I can find our scriptures. In fact, let's just go back to something we talked about months ago. When Pastor Rob directed us and said, here at Anchor, the Bible is important. Why? Because this is the directions to which we can see God's guidance and the activity of his angels playing out in our lives. Secondly, once you're in the word, let me just challenge you with this. Get in the word this week. We've got the version stuff. I use a ministry called Through the Word. All these kind of things are great stuff. Um, uh, uh, but once you get in the Word, let me ask you this. Are you really claiming the promises God gives you? Are you claiming the promises that God gives you? Are you embracing them? Here's another question. Do you even know the promises that God has for you? I challenge you to do that this week. And thirdly, you may be sitting here going, yeah, Trev, but man, I struggle. Well, please understand this. I get it that you're struggling. And I wanna encourage you that in Philippians chapter two, verses 10 and 11, it says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Listen, when, every, when the Bible says every, the Bible means every. That means all the people who've ever lived, all the spirits, the good and the bad. There's gonna come a day where we all bow our knees at the foot of Jesus. So are you gonna be one who meets him for the very first time at that point? Are you gonna be somebody who's gonna be rebelling against him all that time until you bow? Or maybe today is a great time for you to say, you know, I wanna bow in front of him today and claim him as my savior. Fourth, do you have a heavenly perspective? Because of that, are you even thinking about, listen, a few weeks ago at Easter, when Pastor Rob did the rope analogy, he showed how far eternity can be in a metaphor and he showed how small the tape is, right? Where the long rope meant eternity in just this little spot meant our time on earth. Are you spending more time thinking about that little tape or are you spending more time thinking about the long time of eternity? Because you need to know this. To come full circle, Hebrews chapter one, verse 14 says, there are servants at God's disposal who are sent for those who will inherit salvation. So what does that mean for you? Well, like our intro video, it means this. When you and I are children of God, we have a cover. We have an angelic cover. We have two thirds of the heavenly host ready to serve God in giving us promises, in giving us protection, in giving our God's presence, and then providing. We are covered. But I do have a little bit of bad news. See, that protection and coverage is only for people who are Christians. If you're not a Christian, then it's kind of open season on you, all right? You were left open, you were left vulnerable, and you're open to any kind of attack. So here's how I wanna close off today. I really wanna close off with it being simple. There's two ways to live. There's no third way or fourth way. Or There's just two ways to live. You're either in that coverage that God provides or it's open season for you. And friend, you don't wanna stay in open season, all right? So if you'll just bow your head and close your eyes right now, and if you'll just simply say something along the lines in your heart of just being honest, it's not, it's not any words that any of us can say that's gonna save you. It's you making a heartfelt decision to basically say, God, I want that coverage. I need that coverage. It's the only coverage that's gonna provide for me. I don't wanna be left open. I don't wanna left, be left vulnerable. So I repent. I repent of always wanting to do things on my own, leaving myself open. I wanna thank you, Jesus, that even though I've been rebelling, even though I find myself a lot like Jacob, I am now recognizing that you are in this place and I recognize that you died on the cross to pay for my rebellion. Thank you for that. 
And so would you please forgive me and would you please come into my life and would you be that coverage? Would you be my king and give me that protection? I claim your promises that you never leave me or forsake me. I claim the protection that you have as a sovereign God. I want your presence in my life and Lord, I'm gonna trust you to give me what I need to, to be provided for. Amen. If you prayed that prayer right now, I'm gonna ask you to text the number below you there on the screen. And I wanna let you know that this is not the end of anything, but rather this is the beginning of a brand new life for you that will stretch with eternity. And I can't wait to hear your story as you share about the angels' activities and methods in your life.